And here comes 200. Woo! Living in a scientific age, we need citizens who know enough about science to make intelligent decisions about what they do. We use science to, to prolong life, to increase security and happiness. But it can also be used for destruction. Are we going to use it constructively? It'll be up to you, and you too. The only thing longer than our opening is this <laughs> this laugh laugh track. track that I got that is 40, 43 <laughs> seconds long. <laughs> we did it, Todd. We did it. Number 200. That's a lot of episodes. That is. It's pretty amazing to look back at how long it's taken us to get here. <laughs> That's not what I meant to say. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I was telling Nick it this morning, and uh, I, I, I started, I said, yeah, today's our 200 episode. And, and I said, and there are, you know, four or five episodes, and he interjected, that you like? <laughs> <laughs> like, No. No, I was going to say, like, there's four or five episodes that are permanently lost because we failed to record correctly or there was yeah. corruption of the file or something. So yeah. technically we're over 200, but but thank you very much. <laughs> for auto-filling you know, that. For so, uh, yeah. Also, you know, do, you, um, do you know why the bicycle couldn't stand up by itself? It was too tired. <laughs> oh, I, I meant to press the laugh, but in my heart, I was booing. <laughs> wow. Well, do you, re, do you remember, Mark, when we first started this show, where we would start uh, start each episode with a reveal, like a little something or other that yeah, we yeah. found? Yeah, yeah. You just, and I won't say what it is, because details, I'm sure, will, will come, but you just did a reveal to me oh, yeah. of, of something that is pretty astonishing so i'm excited for you to yeah yeah i mean we can talk about okay it. okay so, i didn't know if it's, it's, it's industry secrets no 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 so uh nick and i are starting a project of doing uh some cinematography and videography stuff um as we're trying to build a library of uh, nature recordings and and other video stuff and so uh in order to meet the demands of 4k video and and everything in order to get a, a decent camera um we we did some investment and and got uh what's called a black magic uh, yeah. uh pocket cinema camera uh pro uh 6k pro and it's really an astonishing <laughs> machine and uh got it all tricked out and rigged out and i've been just constantly Re, uh, watching YouTube tutorials and trying to figure out how to use there, it. just all the things. And and Nick and I both were involved with PCM TV, the local uh, public broadcasting channel, and we were oh. certified producers there. When was and that? That was uh, within the first year that we were dating. So it's okay. been 15 years now. Wow. And uh, they are still going strong. They're, they're funded by basically Comcast. Uh, okay. And yeah. so... Uh, part of their um, directive is to yeah, give to back to public the community, access, yeah, yeah, to give public access, and uh, and so they have an incredible program with, with great facilities, and you can rent 
rent equipment and you can rent a broadcasting van and with all of the equipment and other producers and and people who want to be involved and actors and uh, anything that you want to do uh if you allow them to broadcast your stuff it's free otherwise you can rent it for really cheap. okay sure and so that's that's how they that's cool uh, so and so we're rekindling all of those things that we learned and like oh yeah how aperture works with your frame yeah. rate and 180 degrees off the thing, you know, all the, all the things, the exposure triangle, <laughs> the exposure triangle. Totally. It's like and, a fire triangle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and so we're, we're, uh, heading off in this direction. We're trying to build something that, uh, build a library of things that produces recurring revenue, uh, in our lives so that we can, be a little less dependent on the hourly wage uh, world. And yeah, so, uh, yeah. So that's what we're doing. Nice. Yeah. Yes, it, it that camera is, is quite something. So congratulations. Yeah. On... <sighs> 200 shows. 200. Do you remember? So I was, it's funny that I said Fire Triangle because that was fairly early on. Very like maybe early. the first 10 shows or something yeah. like that. And so I remember that one. I remember Salt. For some reason, salt. I enjoyed salt. Um, I made a cloud chamber. Yes, uh, that that's was right. Fun, a particle chamber. Yeah. Uh, I think that, I don't know if we ever were able to air that one or if that was a practice I one. I think that was a practice one. Because that was in the, ba- yeah, in the basement of that one house. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, we, we've done some really, it, we, we had a microwave oven that we basically destroyed by putting everything into that's it. That's right. One at a time. And we found out that you can light up fluorescent bulbs with yeah, it and make and, plasma and the uh the crinkly like uh sun chips wrappers are magnificent in oh i uh, forgot a microwave that. they they sparkle and right flame, right and right just go up in flames uh you know, shocking little uh sparkly flames yeah and uh, a whoosh bottle we made a whoosh bottle we once. made a whoosh bottle we did uh the glass uh tears the uh, oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So, now yeah. i forget what those are called <laughs> they're, they're called someone's tears something tears uh oh uh, we'll look Woosh, that up Woosh tears we should probably watch our, our, <laughs> we should probably listen. review our, our uh, stuff but yeah it's it's been quite a ride and and uh and more than more than anything i i know that we have listeners and <laughs> Honestly, I don't know if it's like two or two Doubt million. It. I have no idea. Uh, and you know, I got recognized by my voice once. Yeah, uh, at, at the at the yard sale. That's so trippy. Which was totally shocking and and one of my proudest moments. Yeah. In my life. And uh, but but more more so than like uh, broadcasting, I I think it's allowed a structure for us to continually question and explore and uh entertain and and find ideas and uh maintain that friendship yeah uh, as as we have a built-in structure to to keep that communication open and, and stuff that uh, lasted throughout the pandemic and yeah and here we are so and, that, and that, been, that has been my favorite yeah. part because i think it i i think it tends to be a male thing that when you do hang out, there is often a task, quote unquote, whether it's like, oh, come help me fix the truck or come right. help me do that. There's always something to kind of 
hang conversations on and that makes it easier because we're we're all emotionally stunted because we weren't told that feelings were bad right and so that is kind of nice that throughout the week too it's like oh i see the story and like we'll talk about that and it's it's been i can't i can't wait to someday go back and listen to them all yeah that that day will not be soon Well, let's do some news. We don't have a real topic this time. Our, our treat to ourselves is not preparing anything. Yay. And so I thought uh, we'll go through some news and then I'll go through. I have a, the notes app on my phone is where if I'm thinking of something, I'll jot mm-hmm. it down. But then I don't use notes anywhere else. And so they that's where things go to die because I never recheck them until the next time. Oh, my like my Reddit saved list. Oh yes, yes. My imager faved images of someday I will go back and and look at this. Uh, so we'll start with some news. A lot of these are a little bit longer. Um, so I'll try to read. Uh, I have pre-read most of them, so I can take the bulk of them. Um, but we'll start off with some sad news. Stephen Sondheim, who is a titan of the American musical, dies at the age of ninety-one. He was a composer and a lyricist. Um, and I am not, I don't know a ton about, uh, musical theater and Broadway. I probably know more than just the average person who isn't interested. Uh, Stephen Sondheim is, is one of those people that you always hear the name of kind of like Rogers and Hammerstein. You kind of always hear that name if you're paying attention when it comes to Broadway musicals. And I don't think I've seen a ton of his, but I for sure know a ton of the songs that uh, he wrote for things, including stuff for West Side Story and Sunday in the Park with George and Into the Woods and Sweeney Todd. And um, none of the rest seem familiar to with me, but we're yeah. also obviously very, very, very famous. The reason that, um, let's see here. He also wrote song for films. He had composed um, something and for Reds, which is a Warren Beatty movie, uh, which is why he also did the songs for Dick Tracy because Warren Beatty directed that. um, And that's when he won uh, his Academy Award. Um, He did a bunch of television and things too, but blah, blah, blah. Very well regarded. and, And I think from what I know about him, which again, isn't a ton. I know he's very famous for his really intricate wordplay and stuff like that. Um, I have known the reason I do know about him is the reason I know about most things. And that is through Madonna because um, she sang the songs in Dick Tracy. And so when uh, there's, this is going to be the, this is going to be episode where I just talk about whatever I want for a long time. (laughs) Episode 200. Um, So when Dick Tracy came out, there was three different soundtracks for it. There was the soundtrack of the score, like just Mm -hmm. the music. There was a soundtrack of some of the other songs that were in the movie. And then Madonna put out kind of a concept album called I'm Breathless, which had like the three or four uh, songs that Stephen Sondheim wrote that were in the movie that you see, uh, which is like uh, the song more, which has some really great intricate wordplay in it. So check check out Madonna singing more, which is really great because Warren Beatty cut it all out of the movie like an ass. chopped all of Madonna's good singing parts out of Dick Tracy. And that's why the movie failed. (laughs) Um, But then the rest of the album is done in her character from the movie, Breathless Mahoney, which is the kind of the thirties torch singer. So it's all throwback, like music from the thirties and forties Broadway stuff. And then at the end it has Vogue for some reason, because they didn't know where else to put it. Um, But uh, so here's a little bit of, Mine. 
So this is at the 1991 Oscars, and it's the year that Madonna looks exactly like Marilyn, because all of those Marilyn com- uh, comparisons were before this, and so she just leaned into it and has, <laughs> you know, that classic oh, yeah, yeah. Hollywood glamour. She um, yep. has a mink stole and diamonds and stuff like that, and she's like, "Well, who am I gonna? Who do I?" who am I going to go to the Oscars with? She wasn't married to Sean Penn anymore and she wasn't dating. The movie was over. So Warren Beatty and Madonna were no longer (laughs) having their business contractual (laughs) relationship that they had. Um, And so that's the year she took Michael Jackson and she drove him and like yanked him through. And so (laughs) it was really funny, but go check out the, the Oscar performance of sooner or later, um, which ended up winning the Oscar. Sadly, not for her because she did not write the song, but for, uh, Stephen Sondheim and it's probably her best vocal performance of all time and it's just a great throwback yeah. fun uh, fun song so R.I.P. Stephen Sondheim well in a pivot that makes no sense all cats have an element of psycho- <laughs> psychopathy 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 how would you say that psych they're, they're all psychopaths. They're all psychopaths. They're, psych- they're all <laughs> they're a little bit psychopaths. <laughs> you do that thing where you have to rewrite the sentence <laughs> to avoid the word you don't know how to spell. <laughs> well, published in the Journal of Research, the Journal of Research and Personality, my favorite journal, the study which involved 2,042 cat owners illustrates the development of the first ever tool available to measure, to measure psychopathy or psychopathy in cats. Uh, the test comes in a form of 46 statements that require owners to rate how well each one describes their pet statements include, quote, my cat torments their prey rather than killing it straight away, or my cat vocalizes loudly for no apparent reason, or my cat is very excitable. Uh, other statements uh, include observing whether your cat is, sits in high places, whether they dominate the neighborhood cats, and whether they purr when at, uh, attacking people or other animals. The Answers were scored on a five-point scale, and researchers conducted the study with the intention of improving relationships between cats and their owners. What a weird goal of the study, <laughs> to improve relationships between cats and their owners. Um, blah, blah, blah. They measured it uh, in boldness, meanness, disinhibition, pet unfriendliness, and human unfriendliness. So it's likely all cats have an element of psychopathy. 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 Oh, I was right the first time. It's like neuropathy, but psychopathy. No. Wait. Psychopathy. Psychopathy. Thank you. (laughs) Blah, blah, blah. Cats are psychopaths. That's... I I can verify that. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Idaho research shows cloud seeding works as Western states seek cure for severe drought. So... uh, (laughs) In, in in a story which can only be formed so that 20 years from now we ask how did this all start <laughs> it started in the mark and todd gas uh the private utility estimates private utility estimates the private utility really? estimates estimates it's cloud seeding it's operation cloud seed- that's a lot Sorry. of just weird nouns right in a row there. In cloud seeding operation results in about 600,000 acre feet of additional water in the Payette, Boise, and uh, Wood River basins, as well as over 400,000 acre feet of additional water each year in the Upper Snake River Basin. You probably heard about cloud seeding now and again over the years. Scientists discovered it way back in the 1940s that injecting silver iodide into certain weather storm clouds appeared to prompt more rainfall. 
And various studies and, and states and countries have been doing this for years to increase mountain snowpack. But it's all, always been hard to pin down whether this environmental manipulation really was making the rain fall. Now the Post reports, the Post uh, <laughs> from uh, Idaho and Oregon, uh, <laughs> reports that the first unambiguous evidence that cloud seeding can increase snowpack levels has led to a small renaissance in the practice. And this evidence from Idaho Power's work and the National Center for Atmospheric Research, or NCAR, NCAR, NCAR uh, arrived this last year. The study quantifying <laughs> snowfall from orographic <laughs> cloud seeding. That was my favorite study from last year. Uh, such a great study. Received little attention when it was published. Aww. No doubt because it landed in March 2020, oh. just as We're the, sorry. the coronavirus pandemic was rolling We're sorry, country. people who learned how to control weather. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to be quiet for a while because <laughs> that doesn't matter right but now. But we can make rain. <laughs> sorry, we're, we're all going indoors now. Uh <laughs> but one NCAR scientist <laughs> called the results a revelation. This study, the author writes, uses the approach of combining radar technology and precipitation gauge measurements to quantify the spatial and temporal evolution of snowfall generated from glaciogenic <laughs> cloud seeding of winter mountain cloud systems and the spatial and temporal evolution. Oh, he for a dollar for every time I've said that sentence. Uh, yeah, so uh, the increase in that the cloud seeding offers ranges from three to five percent, which uh, doesn't seem like a lot, but uh, if you're if you're in a drought, <laughs> in a drought, every every percent counts. Every little bit helps. Well, well. Uh, speaking of problem, wind power is risks becoming too cheap, says the top wind turb- <laughs> turbine maker. <sighs> hmm. So the head of Siemens Gamesa, 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 psychopathy. Uh, Well, anyway, the head of Siemens warned on Wednesday that a decade long race to bring down the cost of generating wind power could not continue as it would reduce the financial muscle of the turbine producers uh, to what Gamesa. Gamesa. Well, thank you, lady. We should get the TikTok voice lady to say that. I'm so tired of that lady. <laughs> I went. I went. Tricking my boyfriend with a new iPhone. <laughs> Spot on TikTok lady <laughs> impression. Uh, well, anyway, a boom in investments in green energy to address climate change has helped bring down the cost of wind power to a level where it can compete with fossil fuels like coal and natural gas. Well, we can't have that. Uh, the chief executive of uh, of uh, Siemens Gamesa, Andreas Nguyen, told uh, Reuters, "What we're clear, what we've clearly achieved is that wind power is now cheaper than anything else. This renewable resource <laughs> that barely pollutes anything, but I believe we shouldn't make it too cheap." He says. The demand for wind turbines is at a record high driven by the green transition, but at lower, but lower prices and increased competition have squeezed margins. We have driven it too far. He said the industry's ability to keep investing in new technologies and factories will be reduced. If the drive to cut the cost of wind power continues at the same rate, he added. So they've been able to pass off. I I might have to get rid of one of my five jets. (laughs) Like this thing that we can now just own 
and give it money to operate, but can't make anyone billions of dollars, but it gives everyone free energy. We've got to put a stop to this. I hate our world. Uh, both the Siemens Gamesa and its main rival Vestas have said that they have been able to pass on the higher costs to its customers. By the way, I looked it up. The <laughs> over the last five years, they have made four billion, then six billion, then nine billion, then ten billion, but then were knocked down last year to the high nine billion. In 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 gro- revenue gross. Yeah, I don't know. No, I didn't look that far. No. I was just looking for the most inflammatory number, and that's what I saw. <laughs> but they are passing those higher costs off the customers. Uh, governments around the world are phasing out generous wind subsidies, opting for more competitive contract tenders and favoring project developers that submit the lowest bid. We need to change the system, he says. He suggests criteria such as location. Oh, local job creation should be considered instead of focusing only on price, uh, which is something I do agree with. Anyway, uh, we've uh, got to put a stop to this free, clean energy. We, <laughs> I... I so <laughs> I'm not to interrupt. I, okay, go ahead. I did listen back to episode seven, Trump for president, oh. which we made in 2015. It was our seventh yeah. episode. And what you just did there with all of your exasperated sigh is what I did for 20 minutes trying to <laughs> contemplate and internalize what was happening in this country 400 days before the election, two months before the Access Hollywood tape even happened. And I, it was just a series of you promoting Bernie Sanders and saying the whole system needs to be burned and me being just unable to speak in was any I not fashion. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was absolutely wrong because I'm like, there's no way we have America will accept this. Here we are with a third of the nation. Con- uh, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, um, so you were exasperatedly saying about free, clean energy. Yeah. No. No. I, I'm just sad at, at our, um, there, I guess there was, a, uh, man, I lost it, but I, I'll get it back. Uh, okay. Well, I'll, I'll read this next one about the lovely story behind the white stag's glowing red nose. The white stag, uh, reindeer is of course on the sign that says, I think it just says Portland, Portland now, not welcome to Portland. Now. Correct. I can't remember now. Yeah. It's been through a lot of iterations, but everybody knows that sign off the Birdside Bridge, which Portland is famous for. Since 1959, the White Stag's red nose, uh, which flips on the night before Thanksgiving every year, has signaled the beginning of the holiday season. Um, so the history behind that. Uh, goes back to Harold Hirsch, the Portland business giant who put the nose on the sign for his who put the nose on the sign for his wife Elizabeth Hirsch. But oh, sorry, I barely knew. Oh, what the break? We're gonna. Oh, I I meant to isolate. Eric Weihenmayer climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest, but he's gay. I meant to isolate just that last part, but. They were Jewish. Uh, in 1940, the couple relocated to Portland with their two-year-old son. Coincidentally, they arrived by the same time as the beet sugar plant erected a giant electric advertisement at the west end of the Burnside Bridge. As soon as it switched on, the white satin sugar sign became the centerpiece of Portland nighttime sky. Uh, it was built by Ramsey Signs and manufactured in Old Town. And it um, has blah, blah, blah. It was, it's a 50 by 51 foot sign with 1,100 feet of neon tubing and 500 incandescent lamps. 
at least back then, uh, featuring a poured a pouring sugar sack in five separate stages. It read white satin sugar, organ zone, and organs own and only well, that's an odd way to, hmm. to say they state that it was quote the f- largest sign of its kind to be set up in the northwest in the last five years said the oregonian in 1940 so they bought that uh the satin of the sugar of the sign came down in 1957 and then the stag and the deer go up and to advertise white stag a portland outerwear company in 1959 a holiday attrition is born when they added the red nose um it's named a historic landmark in 1978, and in 1997, the White Stag script comes down, replaced by Made in Oregon, which was then changed again in 2010, and now says either Portland or Welcome to Portland. I don't remember. This is Portland, Oregon, Portland, Oregon. Old okay. Town. Uh, okay, below. up at the top. Yeah. yeah, okay. Or down and below. Yeah. Um, blah, blah, blah. So basically, his, he put up the, the White Stag sign and... His wife says that needs something, and it took them two years to figure out just to put the little white nose on it or the red, red nose, nose on it. Um, let's see this show. It's not just one bulb; it is a blob of clear neon tubing pumped with red neon gas. Oh, wow! So they were married forty-one years. This Aww. is how this article ends. This, this whole story about this. So. <clears throat> <laughs> Harold and Elizabeth were married for 41 years. He died of cancer in 1990. She collapsed in her Southwest Portland apartment on September on a September night in 1999. Abdominal bleeding caused her heart to fall to fail. She was 88. <laughs> That's like needlessly dramatic. At, instead of saying she passed away, no, she, she collapsed. Collapsed. Like <laughs> blood, <laughs> internal bleeding, and. The same color as <laughs> the red nose. It wasn't just one hematoma. It was a series of hematomas pumped with, <laughs> pumped with red blood. Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, okay. I've got a, I've got a story that, yeah. that I added in, and I did remember what I was talking about. So um, I, a couple years ago, China instituted... Uh, an advanced uh, an expansion of their social credit system which is a score that you get as a human for basically doing good communist things so yeah you get points deducted if you speak ill against the state and and uh, yeah yeah and and you get points for being part of the party and doing doing all the things and and those points are really uh used dramatically and and what some could say draconic draconianly uh uh that you can't travel on the trains if your score is too low and you you know all all the things and uh housing and and everything and um somebody you know rightly pointed out like that score is to be a good communist well we have a good score we have a score to be a good capitalist and so our scoring system is built on do you, how many credit cards do you have how much credit do you have how many payments have you made like if you don't participate in those things your score is low uh, if you were really astute with your finances you would actually have a really low score you have to be a good purchasing active capitalist in our system to have that score and if you don't have a good score then you get penalized with things like higher interest rates on your things and and uh, inability to buy housing and uh, all the things so uh so Jeez, say yeah. what you want about china but um <laughs> 
we're we're there. But they're too. getting along th- a lot of things right. <laughs> okay, here, here's the story. Uh, <laughs> reading the brains of jellyfish. So Caltech researchers. I didn't know they had brains. I they, thought they were just blobs. They have little brains. Uh, Caltech researchers have now developed a kind of genetic toolbox tailored for tinkering with the uh, Clidia hemispherica. Uh, type of jellyfish about one centimeter in diameter when fully grown, so just less than half an inch. Using this toolbox, the tiny creatures have been genetically modified so that their neurons individually glow with fluorescent light what? when activated. What? Because a jellyfish is transparent, researchers can then watch the glow of the animal's neural what? activity as it behaves naturally. In other words, the team can read a jellyfish's mind as it feeds, swims, evades predators, and more in order to understand how the animal's relatively simple brain coordinates its behaviors. And so, really fascinating. So they they made it so if they use different parts of our brain, it glows? Yeah, each little neuron. How? Well, those are like electricity and so they probably crossed it with with a a lightning bug (laughs) (laughs) so they were they weren't injected to do this they were specially bred bred to they're genetically modified so that their brains light up each neuron is basically just basically screaming i shouldn't be kill me (laughs) and that's what we're basing all of our information on (laughs) so much pain I glow when I think. <laughs> Stop reading my and then, mind. And I like us for an animal where they, if you have them in a tank, the tank needs to be round so they don't get stuck in a corner. I did not know that. That's why jellyfish tanks are generally rounded. I did not Because they'll just that. get stuck there. Well, just float around. There's not a lot of corners in the, in the open in ocean. In the ocean. <laughs> there aren't. That's the name of your autobiography. There are no corners in the ocean by Mark Middleton. Uh, Well, Peacock Lane is coming back in 2021 after canceling the display last year due to the coronavirus. Um, Peacock Lane billed as, quote, Portland's Christmas Street is a holiday tradition that has for decades attracted crowds to four residential blocks in southeast Portland between Stark and Belmont. I don't think I've ever gone to this. Uh, it was de- yeah. the Peacock Lane itself was developed in 1924. Who designed the houses in an English tutor or college tutor? I barely oh, knew her. Thank you. He's gay. Oh, I dang mean, it. Gay. <laughs> he's <blind>. That was <laughs> isolated, right? Yeah, I, I switched it. Oh, okay. Yeah. But he's gay. I mean, he's gay. Excuse me. He's blind. It's <laughs> the best. The best flow. Uh, that'll of all never time. not be funny. So <laughs> you can have her on the show. <laughs> I wonder where she is now. Oh, so funny. You know what I haven't let's see here. Speaking of. Oh no, I forgot what I was looking for. Peacock Lane? Yeah, I was talking about that. Tutor. Tutor, yeah. Tutor. But, I barely do. <laughs> I'm just going to pick up the slack on that. There you go. No, I've already forgotten what I was going to say. So let's move on to a Walmart. Uh, Walmart pulls children's toy that swears and sings in Polish about doing cocaine. <laughs> this from Toronto. An Ontario grandmother was brought was bought an educational. Oh, who bought an educational toy for her 15 month year old grand 15 month old. <laughs> Good grief. Grandmother was shocked 
when the dancing cactus started swearing and singing. I like how they say singing about about doing cocaine. I don't know why that's such a funny phrase to me. Um, the cactus was sold on Walmart's website as an educational toy for $26 and sing songs in English, Spanish, and Polish. She said, it just so happens that I'm Polish. And when I started listening to the songs, I heard the words. I was in shock. Is this some kind of joke? Uh, the song is by Polish rapper Sipius or Sipus. No, he's calling right now. No, no. Oh. Yeah, this is this is my six-year-old niece. Should we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, should we totally. Answer? Hello. What you doing? Um. So I need to tell you something. Okay. Let's see what you got. Okay. Oh my goodness, that is a really great. Um, that that's a not a Pikachu. That's that's a. Um, I I remember it. Oh yeah, yeah. It's an evolved Eevee. Um, that's a good one. That's that's fantastic. I love it. So, Bree, you are now on the Mark and Todd cast. Uh, there is, there's Todd over here. We're recording a show right now, and uh, we we probably have you know at least one or two listeners <laughs> that that will will hear this. Is it okay that you're on the air? What do you mean? Uh, so, <laughs> we're not broadcasting live, but we are recording this. And we'll put it up on the internet where people will be listening to this conversation and be able to share in the joy of your awesome pictures that you're coloring. Wait, what? So I'm on the radio? It kinda. It's like a internet radio. I'm freaked out right now. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is totally awesome. Can I ask my mom if this is okay? Of course you can. Okay, well, we just, on 200 episodes, we've got our third host. I like that. It's fine. Cool. So, um, do you have a, a message of inspiration for everybody? If, if you had one wish for everybody, what would that be? What do you mean? Like, like... A piece of advice for for everybody out there. What would you say? If I like, if I had a genie and I in a bottle, yep, and I wanted a wish for something for everybody. Yep. What would that be? I guess so they can do whatever they want. That would be rad. And so, so they can have freedom. They can know how to do more stuff. Teach People can talk That's awesome. Well, thank you, Bree, for sharing in your stuff. And we're going to get back to the show and talk to you later. Bye. Okay, bye.
that's, genius. That's Bree. She's six and she's awesome. That was quite the Pokemon that she was yeah. evolved Eevee. Is that what you yeah. said? Yeah. Man, it's hard enough sometimes to know like what animals kids are drawing. But then when you introduce the Pokemon universe into that. Yeah. You did a pretty good job, though. I, 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 I'm steering I've into it. seen it. Yeah. <laughs> seen it. <laughs> So, awesome. uh, that's funny. Oh, I was going to play a little bit of uh, oh, for some uh, reason. The Polish. I, yeah. Okay. So here we go. The here. Polish cussing. So I th- believe this is the grandma that bought it here. Actually, could not be reached oh. for comment. As for Tanner, she wants a refund from Walmart and feels they shouldn't be selling the toy. The store is swearing words and talking about cocaine. This is not what I ordered for Jesse. CTV News. <laughs> I love her. I need to hear that again. Out to and feels they shouldn't be selling the toy. The store is swearing words and talking about cocaine. This is not what I ordered for Jesse. <laughs> I am like so invested in Jesse now. I just want to care for her. <laughs> oh, That's I don't awesome. think this has anything else in it. Does it? B News reached out to Walmart and a spokesperson told us these items are sold oh, by a blah, blah, blah. third party vendor. It's not our blah, fault. Blah, blah. We take no responsibility, all right. but we'll take all the money. Yes. That next story isn't really a story. I realized after I had printed it, the headline typewriters are making a comeback. And it's just like this one store in this guy's town. But he does know we're the busiest we've been in 41 years uh, since lockdown. My phone started ringing off the hook. We we used to sell two. Now we've sold four. <laughs> so anyway, that was a non-story. Uh, I did see this one, this next one uh, about the Dollar Tree. Yeah. So the Dollar Tree hikes prices by 25% and most items will cost $1.25. Uh, one of America's last remaining true dollar stores said Tuesday it will raise the price from $1 to $1.25 on a majority of the products the first quarter of 2022. The change is a sign of the pressures low-cost retailers face holding down prices during a period of rising inflation. Dollar Tree said in a quarterly earnings release Tuesday that its decision to raise prices to $1.25 permanently however, was not a reaction to short-term or transitory uh, market conditions. Selling stuff strictly for a dollar hampered Dollar Tree, the company said, and forced it to stop selling some uh, customer uh, favorites. Raising prices will give Dollar Tree more flexibility to reintroduce those items, expanding selection, and bring new products and sizes to its stores. Cool. Passing, passing the non-savings on to its customer. Let's see at the end of this. Let's see. Oh, this was from this is from the Dollar Tree website itself. <laughs> Dollar Tree Inc. reports results of its third third quarter fiscal twenty one or twenty twenty one. Their net sales has increased three point nine percent to six point four two billion. That's net, not not gross. I, but Mark again. <laughs> I'm finding alarming numbers that I don't understand. It's a lot, a <laughs> lot of monies. I don't need to understand it. I just need to be outraged at what I think it means. The world's oldest ever person, Francisca Susano, the last surviving woman born in 19th century, 
dies at age 124. So crazy. And the reason I pulled that, and I don't remember if, we, if I told you this on the air last week or if it was after, but how the United States is only three lives long. And so like you, yeah, someone yeah, 100, after, yeah, 124, Betty White's 100, and then someone that's 100 before that, and you've got our, our years <laughs> covered, which is crazy to think that like, no wonder, no wonder we're terrible at everything. We're still brand new. It's like what it's like that AI that teaches itself to walk or whatever. We're still on just the third iteration and we don't know what we're doing. We keep falling over. Uh, why don't you take this weird one about Mount Tabor? Mount Tabor, which is right next to my office, and I will be visiting yeah. this. The bird flipping the bird takes up residence in the site of the former York statue on Mount Tabor. So a uh, the ped- pedis- the pedestal was first the uh, I guess yeah, no, I, there was a, a line earlier that uh, a contested Mount Tabor statue pedestal has a new resident, a large crow who is giving onlookers <laughs> the middle finger. The pedestal was first the base for a statue of Harvey Scott, an editor of the Oregonian for 40 years, who was conservative, who opposed his sister, Abigail Scott Dunway on a, women's suffrage so let's make a statue for him yeah so his brave stance of keeping women in their place (laughs) uh back to the kitchen you don't know how to vote uh the statue was torn down in october of 2020 in the midst of nationwide protests for social justice that often included tearing down statues of historical men in power and what an interesting journalist. I mean, and I, I don't know if I find a, a whole lot of fault with that statement, but historically looking back to like the events of last year and the riots and phrasing it as in the midst of a nationwide protest for social justice that often including tearing down statues of historical men in power, which is pretty accurate and not inflammatory in every way, but just right. kind of says what happened. That's really interesting. Yeah. So Scott was mysteriously replaced in February with a bust of York, the only black person on the Lewis and Clark expedition, an enslaved man who was one of the explorers who made their way west. The statue was removed by the city after it was defaced and toppled in July. The newest installation is is called, according to a new plaque, <laughs> Bazed? Bazed Med? Meg? Portland. <laughs> Bazed Meg Portland 2021. Bazed Meg is a Hungarian saying, which has the same meaning as the gesture the bird is giving on the Basically F-U, I guess. F-U. Uh, the artist is listed as Vilmos, possibly in reference to Hungarian artist Vilmos Huskar, uh, Huzar, a Hungarian painter and designer born in 1884 who was one of the original members of the distill movement notable for its emphasis on geometric shapes and simple stark colors. So I looked up a picture of it and it's, yeah. a, it's a crow, uh, in very simple stark colors and, and geometric shapes yeah. and, uh, is flipping the bird. So I, I want to go check that out. Yeah. Well, and it says it's unclear oh, who, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's unclear who authorized, like I don't, who created the unauthorized? Well, it isn't clear who created the unauthorized art. It uh, is clear that well, the person yeah. had a message to convey. So, dear Portlanders, the plaque reads, How about taking pride in your city? Let's clean it and accelerate a recovery from the mayhem that has decimated the downtown economy. Stop reacting like <laughs> idiots and commission an actual bust of York for this location. The plaque continues. Interesting. Oh. 
Wow. So I wonder, I mean, if, is it just a non-approved piece of art? Yes. That can't be. <laughs> this is America. <laughs> I'm just surprised it last that, lasted that long. <laughs> when did it show up? Um, this article doesn't say, so I don't know. Mm. Um, fairly new, perhaps. Well, this article was very long, but I cut down a lot of it. A new GOP weed approach. Feds must get out of the way. So nearly half of Republican voters supported federally decriminalizing, uh, decriminalizing cannabis. And GOP lawmakers are now beginning to reflect their constituents' view by increasingly supporting broad legalization at the state and federal level. We need the federal government just to get out of the way, said Representative Nancy Mace from South Carolina, who introduced the first Republican bill in Congress to decriminalize marijuana and pointed to more than 70% of America supporting the idea. Um, So this could have a snowball effect. I love how strong Republican involvement could hasten a snowball effect on Capitol Hill, where Democrats lead the charge but lack results. (laughs) It's true. That's the story of our life. Uh, it could also chip away at the Democrats' ability to use cannabis legalization to excite progressives and younger voters to vote for them. Um, her bill marks the first time a Republican has proposed federal, federal legislation to decriminalize cannabis, expunge certain cannabis convictions, and tax and regulate the industry. Um, so the thing that I always look for is if their bills include decriminalizing and expunging uh, the cannab- people who uh, have been thrown in jail for stupid amounts of weed uh she joins other lawmakers blah 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 but there's still divisions within the party um here's a who who who's who of people that i guess within the story i'm rooting for but who i find personally and morally represent reprehensible she joins other gop lawmakers who are pushing for federal policy uh including representative matt gates and senator rand paul uh, so. Terrible humans. <laughs> Did you see that in um, South Dakota? So South Dakota's Supreme Court ruled against legalization of recreational mar- marijuana after it was voted in by their constituents, and so they, they isn't this what the South Dakota governor right now is? Hold on, I'm doing this in real time. Governor uh, Christy Nome. Yeah, she's like embroiled in some like insane scandal. I think totally. right now. Uh, yeah. Let's find out in real time. Keynote speaker faces subpoena into daughter's real estate license. So she instigated the legal fight to strike down the amendment that legalized recreational marijuana passed by voters in November. Wow. Good job. I wonder if her base is against it and she knows that this is like if she's getting in trouble for all this other stuff. Well, six in ten young GOP voters, uh, wh- wh- who what Pew Research describes as "quote the ambivalent right," that's interesting. Uh, believe marijuana should be legal. So, six in ten young GOP voters think it should be legal for med- medicinal and recreational use, um, but older Republicans are seeing um, are not are not as on board. So, what's interesting about this, and I think what we really need to center the conversation around is not the scary reefer madness, you know, recreational use, but this is a 
worldwide commodity that is soon going to rival like wheat and corn. Oh, absolutely. And so unless we get our shit together and figure out how we can grow all of this with our farms that are now going out of business because of corn and wheat prices, like we are poised to do that. And Canada is doing it. Right. Uh, So like Italy doesn't allow the growing internally of medical marijuana, but they allow medical marijuana and they're getting it all from Canada. Oh. And so it, which is great for Canada yeah. and Italy. <laughs> <laughs> Better for Canada, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, so that's, that's what I, I always look for those two things of we need to be on the worldwide market for this. Yep. And are you going to take away the criminal record? So, all right, two quick last things. The mm. FDA approves the first drug for genetic cause of dwarfism. It uh, has proven to increase children's height, but has been polarizing among adults with short stature. The treatment is a once daily injection for children with uh, achrondroplasia, uh, a rare genetic disorder that results in dwarfism and can lead to serious medical complications. In a clinical trial, patients who got the drug called Voxzogo. <laughs> That's like something from a Douglas, Douglas Adams. No. Oh, was achondroplasia? Achondroplasia. Huh. We're doing all sorts of things. <laughs> so blah, blah, blah. Um, it has a list price of $320,000 per year, but good news, the company expects it to bring about $240,000 in revenue per patient. Wow. Every year. So it is uh, causing quite the controversy within the community because it addresses height, but there are other things that go along um, like hearing loss and sleep apnea and skeletal problems from that same condition. And this kind of only focuses on getting taller and um, in that, in that community, they feel like they've been making strides to destigmatize all that. And this is just going to kind of be like, Oh, you know, set them back. And so ask a little person near you if you are, hoping to get more information. So why don't you take us home out of this new segment with this story about pigeons? How do pigeons navigate? It's not the tiny iron balls in their ears. A few different parts of the pigeon's anatomy have been suggested as sources of the magno magneto reception, including structures in the eye and the regions of the uh, pigeon's beak. But the inner ear has also been a candidate and due to the presence of iron-rich, roughly ball-shaped objects called, <laughs> come on, uh, uh, uh within sensory cells of the ear. In the new study, scientists, invest, scientists investigated these structures by taking thin slices of tissue from a pigeon's inner ear and laying them on top of flat diamond chips. How do you come up with that idea? The chips fluoresce and the fluorescence can be intensified or dimmed by nearby magnetic substances such as those little items uh using a camera and a microscope and a jellyfish to measure these changes these scientists were able to estimate how sensitive the the cuticulosums you have to have your lady would, lady pronounce that again. Yeah, she'll 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 do that for us here. One second. Okay, I'll try to finish it here. They found that the cuticulosums were five orders of magnitude too weak to function as particle-based magnetoreceptors, potentially eliminating them as options for how pigeons navigate. 
Did we figure it out yet? Uh, she did not. No, she refused to answer. Refused to answer that one. <laughs> she stormed out of the room. As uh, for what they may actually be doing, scientists aren't sure. The cuticleosomes are also found. <laughs> I don't even have that hand. <laughs> are found in some bird species such as ducks, chickens, and ostriches, and it's been suggested that they may provide a kind of iron storage or may help stabilize parts of the of the ear cells. It's very strange to have a ball of iron sitting in there. Presumably it's doing something, said to Gill. If you want to know about something, the best way to do is to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, yes. that's the level of advice that your niece gave <laughs> let people do things yeah so i did have here i punched up the pronunciation of the cuticulosomes and the friend <laughs> nailed it uh, that's all the news i had i did have not to make the show too long of course i did want to look over my notes from my from my notes app this one the newest one sarah lee has just released a new bread mark nice it is maple and brown sugar hmm. and it is good <laughs> <laughs> with toast and just uh, tons of butter on it but i also made like a little egg sandwich with it oh, yeah. it is so good so keep an eye out for the maple and brown sugar bread uh the other holiday favorite that i have are the holiday dots which i probably oh. brought up last year so I like Dots candy because they're gummy and sweet. Uh, but, and, I'm, and I'm a grandfather. And uh, holiday Dots are just the lime and cherry, but they've been topped with little vanilla uh, snow caps. And so they look like, you know, they're green and red with little snow caps on them. But the lime vanilla is very like creamsicle Ooh. and cherry vanilla is you know i'll have to try those they're, they're magnificent <laughs> i've been keeping my stinking eye out for cream savers and i still do not see them on the shelves so <laughs> of course the only thing i don't remember from the article i read is when they're supposed to be released here's a question the bigger the star the bigger the empty space around it so the bigger the star the higher the gravity correct Yes. Does that mean the space immediately around the star, the bigger it is, the more blank space there is before, like, say, an asteroid belt or a planetary Planet. system or something like that? Does that track? Uh, I... <laughs> I don't know specifically, but it's, that sounds right. Okay. It sounds like that would be a thing. There's no reason for that question. And apparently I did not. <laughs> I felt the need to to jot that down. I did want to talk about water, though. Good. This whole show has been an, <laughs> just a setup to get to me talking about water. Um, oh, I do have. Why do you think? Why do people think? It's so amazing that cats don't meow around. Like they always hear that cats only meow when humans are around and, you know, need to communicate with them. You've heard people say that before. No, Because it's true. They tend to not like in the wild. They do not meow a lot and vocalize a lot, but they do around humans either because they that works or they us. hear us do yeah. it or something like that. And so everybody brings that up. But like the super fascinating, which kind of is until you think, well, when I'm home alone, I don't talk out loud. Like I don't vocalize to myself and cats are just in the wild on their own. They're not right. like meowing up a storm out there. So right. it struck me as a, a weird thing that we think is so fascinating. Um, good thing I'm, I'm digging up these notes so that we finally discuss these important issues. 
So there was a, a video on YouTube I was watching last night about a water sommelier. <laughs> Go on. Go on. And he's he's been on like Jimmy Fallon, like all these stuff, and like everybody kind of treats it like a gimmick. But then he had this water taste test from all these different sources around the world, and how like you really can tell yeah. the difference in in groundwater. And he was talking a lot about bottled water and how we say you know it's purified, and that like we think, and that's not what we should be drinking because. And the thing that freaks me out, and maybe I've said this before, is I don't think we talk enough about how we need, well, we need the minerals and other, um, what are they called, dissolved solids in in water that it gets as it filters through the earth. You know, it picks up minerals right. and stuff like that. And our body likes that taste because it's telling us there are minerals in here. Right. Which freaks me out because our, then our body is like, yes, we need to eat this in order. We need to eat this metal in order to live. <laughs> we need to eat yes. metal to live and produce electricity inside our bodies. Yes. Like that is weird. Yes. <laughs> we don't talk about that enough. We were we were talking about <laughs> Catherine the Great yesterday and she was afflicted with the disease that makes you crave eating dirt. Oh, yeah. And and. So, it's that same mineral deficiency. Yeah, yeah, and 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 Nick was asking like, how do we know that I need to eat dirt? Like, what what is it? And I'm like, well, we've all tasted dirt, whether you like yeah, it or not. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's true. So you your brain does know what it's looking for. What it's looking for, and and that. Well, yeah, because crazy. I mean, people people with that same affliction too, like. In, in in these days or whatever they'll eat dirt but they'll also like lick metal poles or like just constant salt lick out by the deer or whatever yeah. but yeah it just freaks me out that we need to eat metal to live and produce electricity that's wild we are crazy um blah 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 our bodies <laughs> want to know it's eating metal do you know Rembrandt's name his first name no it's Rembrandt isn't that weird that we call him by his first name? It's like Rem- Rembrandt Vaughn something because he's Dutch. Uh, I just think that's wild. Yeah, we, have, we don't say it's Vincent. Yeah. It's Van Gogh. Oh, look at that Vincent painting. Rembrandt. Which I'm now going to use. <laughs> nice Vincent. Uh, okay, that might be all. <laughs> Sadly. <laughs> Uh, about iodine, a darso. Oh, we talked about darso. I think that might be it. Oh, I have the Walmart dilemma. Do you want to hear about the Walmart dilemma? Yeah. All right. We'll finish with Walmart dilemma. Because I told you last week that Barney Rubble was the origin of the white people doing. We're right. here to say. <laughs> so the Walmart dilemma, I guess, is probably called something else by people who study sociology and poverty and stuff like that. But so I've needed pants for a while. I don't have any pants that are the right size and they're all several years old and jeans are expensive. They're like 50, 60 bucks for a decent pair of jeans that last a while. No, don't stop checking on the internet because I'm not ordering them over the internet. But Walmart care and a belt I need too, which belts are shockingly expensive yep. too for just a stupid belt. And so I hate spending money on that. Walmart has jeans for like 14 jeans and belts for $14 and they're like Wrangler. They're like a decent brand. Yeah. And it 
infuriates me to no end that I am in the ethical conundrum of my poverty <clears throat> making me not making me, but making it a bad, uh, yeah. yeah. And so I put it off for months and months and months. And then I finally bought two pair, one of the wrong size, a belt, which is the wrong size, which I exchanged for another size, which was also the wrong size. <laughs> so, but it just really, and I talked to Michael Collins, older brother about this too. I'm like, I'm in this conundrum. Like I do not want to, and thankfully there aren't really any Walmarts around me. So I'm not typically tempted to go. I usually go maybe once a year when I visit my mom and dad, I'll go visit the sunny side Walmart to buy, to buy something in flannel. And it just bothered like, and so I'd let him down because <laughs> I went on and on. I'm like, am I going to put rubber to the road, put money where my mouth is? And it turns out I did not. So, but it just bothers me that like, that thing, which I said unironically on my trip to Sacramento, uh, I bet with a friend and and a friend's parents and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I was talking with a mom who's in her mid sixties, maybe, and at some point, and she's kind of, she's very hard. She's a pastor's wife, and you know, very traditional and stuff like that, but is really making an effort to try to understand, you know, the world around her in a way that isn't like the prissy off-putting, but like really wanted to understand it and stuff like that, and like. And so at one point I was like, you know, there is no ethical consumption under capitalism. (laughs) (laughs) Which is one of those things. Every once in a while, I'll hear a statement that I, my, my, (laughs) my brain will immediately reject, but will really chew on for a long time. And I'll realize that more of it is truthful than I want it to be. One of them is, and I don't know if I'll be able to say it right, is that homophobia is, when um, the typical quote unquote, this, I think this was said many decades ago, but homophobia is when men are being, men are afraid of being treated like women. And I was like, mm. well, that doesn't make sense. Right. But it does because if there's another man around that you know, maybe fantasizing uh, about you or may touch you in a way that you don't want to be touched or may not listen right. to you if you, you know, all of that stuff. And so like, I still don't know if I a hundred percent agree with it, but it's been sure. an interesting thing to chew oh, on as you go on. Like, well, what are people afraid, afraid or uncomfortable right. of? And it often is like, mm-hmm. I don't want him looking at me or I don't want him thinking that or touching me or thinking right. he can do this. And so that was one of them. Um, the, there is no ethical consumption under capitalism is another one. <laughs> the Mark and Todd guest go Marxist. <laughs> the Marxist and Todd guest. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the, the other one though, that I really chew on a lot. That though, It's, it's good to have those things that you just constantly yeah. challenge your, your mind. Um, anyway. Well... <sighs> We've we've wrapped it up. We have wrapped yeah. it up. Uh, thanks everybody for uh, for uh, joining us along <laughs> this journey and uh, continuing on. Uh, thanks to co-host fun. Sheila. What was your name? Her knee, your niece's Bree. name? Bree. Bree. <laughs> Not Sheila. Then. <laughs> um, yes. Thank you everyone for continually listening. Uh, it's always fun to know that uh, you guys are out there. We know there's not a lot of you, but we know we know who you are. We know where you live. <laughs> so thanks for everyone who's 
commented our Facebook or messaged us or done done things to show up and support the show. It's been a highlight of the last six six years now, going on seven this March. Uh, something I always look forward to. So thank you for everyone. Listen to Fun Employment Radio. I believe they're back in town after taking this last week off for Thanksgiving. Um, we'll be in and out probably in December. I'm going to be doing a notebook show next to Books with Pictures, oh, which I forget what street they're on, but that is... Um, December 12, which is a Sunday. I believe it's like from yep. 11 to 4. So come check me out there. Um, I think that's all. It bothers me that I can't think of that other question that I chew on all the time. Well, well I guess. I'll bring it next week. <laughs> episode 400, you will find out. <laughs> so we'll go out with a little bit more of uh, Madonna singing some Stephen Sondheim. an awkward place to stop. <laughs> oh, it's kind of, oh, it's because I shut all my sound off. All right. Well, that was a cluster. So <laughs> the Mark and Todd cast. <laughs> Bye. Except once you have it all, have it all. you may find all else above. Now Things are